Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Stream with Tim Skinnell from High Tower Great Lakes. Today, well, we know the pen is mightier than the sword, and today's podcast is Power of the Pen to Leave a Legacy. Good afternoon, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Eric? Doing fantastic. Uh, this is a really interesting title, Power of the Pen to Leave a Legacy. Now, the first thing that comes to my mind is a will, but that, that probably just doesn't cover it, does it? No, I, I think that you know we've talked in the past about the CFP process as we follow. We work with our clients to prepare plans. We mm-hmm. collaborate with their various team members, their CPAs, their attorneys, et cetera, to make sure that all the assets are properly documented. And like you said, the will is you know properly written. So I think we do a really good job of that, but where the industry I think does fail and where we try to focus a lot uh, of our effort is on, you know, beyond that, preparing the heirs, the ultimate beneficiaries, whether that be your children, grandchildren, or your favorite charities, you know, helping them prepare to receive that wealth. And that's really right. what we're talking about today. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm interested to see how you form this one. Let's, let's talk <laughs> okay. about that. Well, like I just mentioned, you know, the, the problem I think is that we spend a lot of time and effort with the the parents, let's say, and we're putting together these elaborate plans so that ultimately the assets are there, they're protected, they're providing for the the the, the couple, you know, the the clients, they're ready to transition at death. But oftentimes there's not a lot of it's not enough communication. I should say there's not a lot of transparency, and that creates a problem in the sense that. When people receive money, whether it's a charity or whether it's your children, grandchildren, it's just better if they understand when and how and why and where it came from and the history and the legacy. And we use a lot of tools to help kind of pass that legacy and pass that respect for the money on down, you know, to the next generation. And but one of which one of the solutions we we encourage our clients to do, and as you can imagine, not as many do them as we'd like, is to Basically, take out the pen and write it down. Write the stories down. So, so oh, go ahead. So, write the stories. I mean, what stories are you talking about? How they how they built their business? How they built their the family wealth in general? What they've done for parenting and and charitable causes? What are we talking about here? Uh, yeah, it's all those things, but it's really more. What I find when I talk to clients are they what they're looking to do is pass more than wealth. They're trying to pass key lessons. Mm-hmm. That they might have learned through business, through their charitable giving, through raising a family, et cetera. And I'm sure you know, you know, it's typically by stories that we pass along history and pass along the legacy. And, you know, that's when you tell stories and when you hear stories from parents and grandparents, um, that's where typically values come out and the children really get to learn, you know, that some of these lessons that they could take on to their own journey. Like, Eric, I'm sure. You can think of maybe a story, maybe your father or mother, one of your grandparents have told you that you'd probably love to preserve for your kids or even your grandchildren. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and the funny thing is, is that I know that stories that I've told, if I don't get them written down, they'll be 
exaggerated. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they, they will be either exaggerated in a positive way or maybe even a negative way. But yeah, definitely. We've, we've talked to my father about that before. He's going to be turning 80 this year. And I, we've gotten him to write a few things down, a few of the stories that he's told us before and some of the adventures that he had. I mean, there's a tremendous history there. And, and my grandson, his great grandson, probably won't you know, be able to hear a lot of those stories. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, God willing, he'll be with us for a number of years, but it may not be conveyed to him because they, again, trying to even spend time with a great grandchild is not easy either. Right. And so typically when we, when we talk about this with clients, the first reaction is not a chance. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. this isn't something that I'm, I've ever considered, I'm ever going to do. A lot of the objections we get are, you know, well, I'm not Hemingway, you know, I'm in a book club and, you know, I'll be judged for my content Mm -hmm. or how I write. And, you know, we always say to the client, well, you know, the book doesn't have to be for your book club. You know, your book can be just for your kids, your grandkids, et cetera. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes they'll say, well, you know, they're just humble. Uh, You know, I'm not, I'm not comfortable writing something about me. And, you know, one of the things I always say is when I jot down stories or notes I always literally have a picture in my mind of Eileen or Charlie. Those are my grandchildren, you know, so those are the people that I'm talking to. And then I don't feel as self-conscious about, you know, talking about myself or writing about myself, you know, but those are typically some of the objections that, that people will come up with in terms of why I don't want to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's a lot of time as well. It, there, it, it's a lot of time. And, but the good news I think is that it's cert, it's really a lot easier to write a book than it has been in the past. I mean, all you have to do is think of everybody who's out there self-publishing, you know, the ghostwriters, et cetera. Um, and there's just also a lot of practical tips out there that can help you and just guide you along around the paths. For example, like one of the, the action steps that we use, we got from um, an author, his name's Tucker Max. He's written four number, New York number one bestsellers. And he also co-founded and wrote this book development company called uh, Scribe. And Scribe really is what's created in order to help, you know, people write books uh, in general, get more people to write. Mm-hmm. So when we when we talk to clients, and I'll give you a few examples about why you'd even want to do it, you know, our number one reason is really to help leave a legacy. You know, think about the stories that that they had heard as kid from their parents. Uh, I was not fortunate enough to meet any of my grandparents, mm-hmm. so for me, I don't have those stories. I, So the only stories I get about them, you know, all four of my grandparents uh, came from Ireland, but I don't have those stories, but I'm I'm starting to find some of them through my mom, through my cousins who have gone back in all the genealogy sites and all the information that's out there through letters and things like that. But, But if they're not written down, you know, I always say some of the best information just passes on when people don't share it. And you'll just never hear it again. Those stories that maybe your your grandfather told you, or your your even your mom or dad told you, they're just going to be gone forever. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it really is to me. It would be easy to appro- easy to approach it as a, just a collection of short stories. Yeah. So I'll give you one example. And that and this is I have a lot of what I call favorite families, and this is one of mine. Their clients, and I'm fortunate enough to work for the grandparents, the kids, and now some of the grandchildren. But the grandparents, um, the grandfather in particular, came over from Germany uh, right after World War II. And there was a point where I believe his daughter-in-law has said to him, 
you know, he gave him a gift for Christmas and said, here's this, uh, it was called Godfather Remembers, a little book. And at the time, his goddaughter, I think was, maybe, or his granddaughter was maybe uh, two or three. And they said, would you just jot some notes down in there so that, you know, as she gets older, she'll have some of these memories. Mm-hmm. And it, it just kind of, um, over time, uh, filled him with this task <laughs> to record some of the history going back from when he lived in Germany, when he came over to the United States, you know, when he started a business, when he retired and transitioned out of the business, some of the traveling that he and his wife have done you know, since then. So there's really almost four separate stories and, and that's how he chose to break it out. You know, so he really, and, and the neat thing about it too, is he really went through and he found a lot of old photos. So he matched up the photos with the stories. And he really just over a two year period, jotted down a lot of information on notepads. Hmm. Wow. That's, I mean, that's great. That's a great start and great foundation for something that sounds like it turned into quite the legacy. Yeah. And then what, what he found is he did a little research and he found a ghostwriter that he coordinated or collaborated with mostly online. So the ghostwriter would, you know, kind of consolidate, rewrite, edit. It was still his writing. It was still his history, but just kind of making it look a little better. Right. Mm. And then sending it back and then sending it back and sending it back. And it was, there were points in time apparently where he would write a couple times a week. There was points in time where he wouldn't write for months, but it was a couple year project. And I could tell you that when it came time and it was all done, he actually chose to uh, print, I believe, 50 copies, 50 or 60 copies. And I was fortunate enough to get one. But these days, you know, like I said, if you, you said you can self-publish, you can print these bound books. It's actually a beautiful cover, beautiful hardcover. Um, and I have it, I keep it on my desk because I think it's just such a great uh, legacy, example mm-hmm. of a great legacy. So one of the things I think that, you know, going back to legacy and why you would want to do this is, I think it'll help your kids and your grandkids understand, for example, why you might, you know, urge them to save and invest or why you might consider spending money on experiences and travel. Like in this mm-hmm. case, this, this client, you know, that it's money well spent. You know, I've also had a, a client who not, didn't necessarily write a book, but had jotted down a lot of uh, notes and stories. And to a great extent, a lot of the information in there gives some background as to, you know, about some maybe some of the discrimination and the, the cultural difficulties that they they faced when they first came over to the United States. So I think you really learn a lot about why your parents and grandparents do things, which sometimes can really help you out, you know, help you understand them better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, just recently, my wife and I, Nancy's family, she's going through the process where they're, you know, her mom is aging and they're, they're you know, she's downsizing. She's, you know, they're working on issues with healthcare and through the downsizing process, they've also gathered a lot of information. And one of the things that Nancy just got from one of her sisters was all these letters that, let me, now I got to get this right, but her father, her father's father, so her grandfather were get, was getting from his father. So I guess Nancy's hmm. great grandfather was writing her grandfather from Ireland over to the United States about what was going on, you know, in the 1920s when kind of the civil war and the uprising were all happening, you know, in the Northern and uh, Southern Ireland. And the letters are just really, really interesting. They're just so direct. You know, you read them and they'll say, yes, the so-and-so's cow died and, you know, Hmm. someone was shot and today the weather was bad. You know, 
I mean, it's just the communication was even so different. It just, it, you really get a feel for the culture a little better. Yeah. But in that case, you know, Nancy is a great writer. And my hope is that at some point she'll take some of that information and actually put together a really great either historical fiction or just, you know, some sort of uh, real life book about history. So let, let me ask you this. We, we spoke about kind of the direction earlier, but if you are thinking about this or this is something that you want to leave, how do you choose your audience? Because if you write to somebody too young, you had talked about that a few minutes ago, but if you speak to somebody too young in this, number one, it can take a, a couple of years to get it done. And then maybe they're older and you want to kind of change how you've done it, but you want it to stand the test of time. How do you choose how to, you know, what age group to, to write it to, or do you do a progression? Yeah. So I'm a recovering accountant, so I'm not the best expert on writing, but from what I've seen and read and, and talking to the clients who have done this, in order to make the process as, you know, as easy as possible. You know, it's like uh, when you read, if you ever read that book by Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, mm-hmm. one of the, the habits is, you know, always start with the end in mind. So in that, to that extent, you know, like me thinking of Eileen and Charlie as I'm making notes. And when my mom just for Christmas I had really, once I read the book by my client, I had asked my mom to just put together some of her stories. And it took a couple of years, but for, for Christmas this year, she passed out copies um, to all the, her kids and grandchildren, um, just of all the different stories that she was able to write down. So again, mm. in her case, she just typed them out on her, on her laptop, titled different stories, and it wasn't really as organized, but it was great because it was really, really great information about when she was a kid and her father passed away when she was young. And it just, it's just great to get that. So the point I think is that she had her kids and grandkid in mind, kids in mind when she wrote that. So it was easier for her to tell the story from that perspective, I think. So starting with who you're writing it for, I think is, is great. And, you know, and part of it is rather than just drop money or drop an inheritance to people after your death, it's just nice to get that information prior to that. So though we all kind of have more respect and understanding for where maybe money came from, or um, I find this a lot with charities. So one of the things that I think are really valuable, I, I don't necessarily recommend people write books for charities, but if they have a favorite charitable organization, at the very least, they should be writing a memorandum or, or some mm-hmm. history of really why, because I'm on, I'm on different boards. I'm on the board of the boys and girls club foundation locally and here in Porter County. Uh, YMCA plan giving. And once a year, money is just airdropped. You know, somebody passed away and they just left a, a chunk of cash. And really the Boys and Girls Club doesn't have any idea what the intent was or, you know, where they should spend it. So they spend it where they feel it's necessary rather than for what the client really wanted. Mm. Oh, that, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So it, it's really something that is not just for clients passing, you know, the legacy to the kids and grandkids. It's also something that we use a lot with you know, charitable uh, contributions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things that my wife and I are involved in is the the Salvation Army around here uh, as well. This is like your area. In wintertime, it's cold. <laughs> yeah. And they will take out very large trucks during the winter, I think five or six days a week. And the trucks have food and they have clothes and, and coats and blankets and things that were donated. And they'll go to where the homeless population is and make sure that they're warm and taken care of and they have food. It's one small piece of a larger puzzle of all the different services, uh, that, that are here in, in this area. But 
it harkens right back to what you were talking about. Why do you support a specific charity? What do you want them to do with the donation that you give? Uh, we love Salvation Army because of what they do and a lot of things that they've done. But I think I may have said this on a previous podcast, but when I was three, our home was, we were flooded out in Minnesota and our home was destroyed. And the only memory I have from being three years old was going to the side of a truck and being given a sandwich, you know, and for a three-year-old, a sandwich and a truck. I mean, there really isn't anything better than that, right? Yeah, right. But in speaking to my parents, I, for the longest time, I thought it was the Red Cross. And when I talked to them about it and I asked them, you know, what, that was a red cross that came and helped. Right. And she, no, 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 that, that was the Salvation Army that was there. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. Uh, and cause I just didn't know much about the Salvation Army, but now I know. And more of my resources are donated to the Salvation Army. I mean, call me biased or skewed or whatever. Um, but I, I love what they do. They go on the site and so does red cross in, in a lot of ways, but this is very impactful for me. So I, I can see how that would be very valuable uh, for a charity to learn what they're doing well and why somebody is is leaving money, and at the same time, you know, for the family to understand, I, I wouldn't have known unless I asked my parents. Um, so it would have been great if they had had that, if they would write that story about what it was like to go through a flood, lose everything, have to relocate to a different state, the stress that they were under, the you know, the miracles that happened during the process, the the stumbling blocks that were there. Um, there's all those pieces that that nobody will know if they take that to their grave. Exactly, and I I think that if you're whether you're writing a book that ultimately your kids or grandkids or someone will read, or you're trying to direct a charity fo- so that you know two generations from now, or even you know two board board members from from now, they know what your intent was. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have the target audience in mind. You you kind of identify. You know, why should they care? And you know, examples of things that I tell people are, you know, are you looking to pass along some big picture value? Like, you know, in the case of the client who uh, came over from Germany. You know, the, really the impact of, of World War II coming over to a brand new country, different culture, different food, different language. You know, sometimes, like I have a client I've been trying to encourage to write a book, phenomenal, successfully successful entrepreneur. And, you know, I'd love for him to talk about his, what I would call cautionary tales, you know, mm-hmm. um, things that he did, or maybe now he would look back and say, I should have done that might have, you know, prevented some trouble, I, I would say, just, you know, make things a little bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. But 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 once, you know, the client kind of has a big picture, they they kind of know who their audience is, they they know the theme or, or the thesis of what they want to say. Really, it's just a matter of, you know, creating an outline chapter by chapter. And like I said, an example of my client who wrote that book, he kind of broke his his life out into four completely separate sections, I guess you would say but different phases of his life. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, you, there's a lot of resources. Like I mentioned, the, the author, the founder of Scribe gave me some of these tips and, you know, a typical chapter structure. And I, I, I must say in advance that when I write things, even memos, I usually send them to Nancy and she edits them and sends them back and they mm-hmm. sound so much better. There you but, go. you know, there's your typical setup and then the main thesis and two or three key points and, you know, I'm told and always, especially with this next generation, you want no more than three points because they can't follow the fourth, right? So you just keep it short. <laughs> um, and stories. I mean, everybody yeah. loves stories, right? Um, that's usually, that's, I, mean, I imagine for thousands and thousands of years, that's how history and how instruction has been, you know, passed along is through stories. Yeah, absolutely. And then I, the, the other key thing I think is what's important is 
the writing plan. So are you going to do it yourself? So in the case of my mom, my mom wrote a lot of stories. She was able to, you know, she's a good writer. She did it on her laptop. She organized it. She printed it off, made a bunch of copies, and, and then she's done. And that was great. And then in the, the case of the client, you know, he actually went through the process with a ghostwriter, editor, and, and wrote a book. And then published a limited number, really just for his audience, just for the people that he really wanted to pass it on to. Mm-hmm. And then for a lot of people, because we're all procrastinators about some things, you know, I mean, is it something you want to get done or is it something you just want to do over time? So even just scheduling it, you know, creating little locations, like maybe going to the library or finding spots where it's easier to write. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then nowadays, I guess the last key thing is whether to digitize or not, right? Because that's everything now is being saved somewhere in a cloud. And um, if you want it saved, you know, in perpetuity or forever, or you want to make sure that your kids who just look on their iPhone and don't don't really know what paper is anymore, that they're, that they're able to read it also. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know that you, you've said it before, you were talking earlier. Um, what about photos, right? And that's, I, I think that's key. If you have the ability to do that, uh, having those, having photos that would just be able to put some texture, if you will, to the story that you're telling, like the, the flood story from my parents, if they had a picture of their old house or even the river that went by our house, that would just give me such a, a whole new perspective of, okay, now I can visualize being there, even though I was there, but I was, you know, like I said, I was three, it was too small, but my kids weren't there, you know, so they could, you know, they could kind of see what that looked like, what the street that I grew up on uh, for a few years before we were forced out. That would be something I think would be powerful. Do you, do you find that with your clients that they have fun with that? Is that, is that something that they try to do, get, you know, dig up pictures to, to give their family some sort of context? Yeah, I think the photos are really important. You know, to go back to that, the example of the book, there's photos of, you know, the house in Germany where he grew up. Mm. Um, he didn't, I don't believe he had a photo of the ship he came over on, but he was able to find it, I think, on Google, you know. Yeah. The, so there's a there's a ship of the, or a picture of the ship he came over on. And then, you know, I think if you reach out, I know I have with cousins, aunts, and uncles, um, like I, my uncle Jim, he, he was the guy who was always at parties taking Gosh, I don't even know what they call it. Any uh, the millimeter film, you know those old reels, and uh, uh, I don't oh, know if eight, were, eight millimeter. Yeah, but they used to, you know, tick, 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 they used to make oh, that yeah, noise yeah, when they filmed yeah, it. That's eight millimeter. Yep. And he was at every party, and he had them all. And I talked to one of my cousins recently, and they're in the process of getting them all, you know, saved somehow on thumb drive. But yeah, you know, converted. the history yep. there is just amazing because I've seen some of those, and they're just fun, you know. And then for to get his context, like his stories, and even as he watches the films and he reminds himself and he gives you more context, that, that's just invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think everybody needs to be looking at the whole digitize or not digitize thought process because now, especially with the, the whole cloud thing, that's something that can be shared among family members all over the world. It's something that you don't need to have a physical copy of uh, because it is backed up at different locations as, as space becomes cheaper and cheaper to get as far as storage space. You know, I, I remember I backed up a ton of our photos onto CDs before there was a cloud, before there was these massive <laughs> right. hard drives. I've got a stack of probably 25 to 30 CDs full of pictures that now I've uploaded them to the cloud and I don't really need the CDs, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> my kids have access to them. My grandkids all have access to them. Um, 
it, yeah, it's, it, it makes it easy to be able to share this kind of stuff uh, among the family. And then just to put on my estate planning hat back on, you know, it gets, that gets right back to the point that in this digital world, we all need a digital estate plan too, or need a, a part of your estate plan. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had clients who pass away with their iPhone and, you know, really the I, I, Apple apparently owns all those photos, you know, if they're just in the, in their cloud. So you really need to really, and if you don't have access or user ID and password, and if, you know, if you're passed away and there's nothing specific in your mm-hmm. will or power of attorney to go get that, it's just, it's a terrible, hard, pro- difficult process to wow. preserve and get those if you haven't protected them in advance. So just I something had no to idea. Think about. That's a great point. Yeah. Wow. So as you go through this process, you hate to lose it, right? <laughs> so you want yeah, to keep no it. Um, so, you know, you want to store it somewhere where you own it and where it's safe and it's protected and where the people you want to see it can see it. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Any other closing thoughts for today? Anything else we need to talk about with this? I mean, this has been a great topic, really eye-opening on some of these levels. No, I just, just to kind of say again that, you know, I believe we do, I know other advisors do, and I work with their CPAs, attorneys. I think we do a really nice job of protecting assets, of protecting wealth, you know, preserving for the next generation. We just all need to spend more time preparing the next generation. And there's a lot of different tools I've talked to on multiple podcasts about it, but this, you know, recording it and taking out the pen or the laptop and recording it, I think is one of the most valuable. It's also the hardest because it requires time, but it's, it's, it really will make a difference for future generations. Yep. And, and for those that are not interested in writing and just don't just think that is something that is just too hard to tackle. Um, if you're listening to this podcast right now, reach out to Tim. Tim has some uh, great resources. He can tell you about some free software that you can get on your computer, that you can actually record your voice. You could record your stories. And that would be another great way to be able to just verbally talk to your grandkids or your great grandkids or the ones that aren't even born yet, just to kind of convey those stories. And you can do it in small, easy chunks with software that's free and easily available online. And Tim will have those resources if you're interested in reaching out to him. And uh, I encourage everyone to to review this podcast again. Let's do it again. Get write down some tips and tricks that Tim's told you, uh, and uh, make those steps to preserve that legacy for your kids and grandkids. Yeah, and you can always reach us at High Tower Great Lakes. You can find us on the internet, or you can send me an email at tscanell at hightoweradvisors dot com, or you can always Perfect. call me at two one nine two four six five three seven zero. All right, Tim. Thank you. That was a great podcast. And thank you all for listening to the Wall Street Podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And think right now, who's that family member that you want to give this podcast to share them this podcast with so that they can hear how important it'll be to hear their stories. And that really can spark that conversation that you want to have something to remember them by that your kids and grandkids would as well. So again, thanks for listening today for everyone at Hightower Great Lakes. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Stream podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. 
the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC.